We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into another BuzzBeat. This is Richie. We appreciate you guys joining us today. If you've not given us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, stop what you're doing right now. Head over there, give us five stars and a review so that we can read it on an upcoming episode. One, that makes us very happy. Two, it does give us a little bit more exposure. So get all the Hornets fans on this podcast as quickly as possible. Today's episode is going to be Strictly focused on LaMelo Ball and the most recent injury that he had to his right ankle. And this episode is going to be very segmented. You'll hear from every single co-host. The first segment that you'll hear is from Spencer Percy going solo, talking about his reporting. He even gives a timetable in which best case scenario he expects LaMelo to return and gives his thoughts on how the Hornets will have to adjust Accordingly, with him out of the lineup, then you've got Brian and Lee who went live last night on Twitter video, YouTube. You can find that on our channel as well and had a conversation for about 20, 25 minutes about the same thing that Spencer was talking about, the repercussions of LaMelo's injury and how the Hornets are going to have to find some playmaking elsewhere and what that does for the team's forecast moving forward. And then the last segment that you guys will hear from is from me, Uh, not LaMelo related. It's just a three-minute interview that I had with Bryce McGowans on Saturday following a practice and talked to him about his game and his progress and kind of his role moving forward on both ends of the court. But Ball has definitely had some injury history over the course of his career in his rookie season in 2021. He had a wrist, right wrist fracture that made him miss 21 games. In his second season, uh, it was more of like the health and safety protocol thing, but he was that was probably his healthiest season of his career. Uh, last season, that's when the injuries started to pile up with 46 games missed, both ankles. I think the wrist was involved as well. And then now, just on... Sunday against the Magic, he re-injures that right ankle where he had the foot and ankle surgery on. So let's jump right in to Spencer's segment, and we'll hear from Brian and Lee a little bit later on. What's up, everybody? This is Spencer Percy, a member of the BuzzBeat podcast crew. 
wanted to give you a quick update on um, what I know about LaMelo Ball. Uh, reported earlier today on Twitter that it appears the Hornets and LaMelo have avoided a serious injury, re-injury really, to that right ankle. It didn't look great last night when he landed on the baseline um, in, in Orlando, had to be carried off the floor, did not put any weight on that right ankle. But my reporting with a source close close to the Busby team was that th- there was no fracture in that right ankle. Uh, the original x-ray um, did show that. Now, there is an MRI that happened today, and we don't know uh, the, the results of that. I have no update there. But it does appear that the Hornets and LaMelo have avoided serious and have avoided uh, some kind of serious injury to that ankle. So that's really good news. So what's next? You know, this is a team that's really, really thin um, for ball handlers, thin for guys that can get to the paint and create uh, either for themselves or for everyone else on this team. And LaMelo was doing it at really an all-star level over the last nine games, you know, averaging 32 points, or I think a little north of that, close to 10 assists. I mean, it's some of the bas- best basketball that he has played, which is really refreshing, uh, you know, considering – how he started the season, which was uh, less than ideal. But as LaMelo referenced, he was still coming back, you know, and rehabbing and trying to get his wind and, and his body to cooperate, you know, following the the surgery that he had in February uh, for the broken right ankle. So, again, we think this is good news. No fracture. Still need to figure out what the MRI shows. But, you know, the Hornets are going to have to fill some some really big minutes with a very, very thin crop of players. At this point, the point guard position. I mean, Ish Smith has been serving, you know, as the backup at that at that position, you know, for the time being. It sure would be nice to have Cody Martin back at this point, but he can, uh, continues to still rehab, which is a, a very very uh, tedious injury. And then, you know, Nick Smith. Is it time to dust off Nick Smith? Uh, you know, your late first round pick from last summer for the Hornets and. Maybe give him some run. I, I think Nick, I'm a big proponent of Nick Smith. I think he brings some utility that could really help this team in the absence of LaMelo, a guy that can can score. You know, is looking for his shot, obviously, but has the ability to get past the first defender, uh, get into the lane, and I think create for others. But, you know, I, I do think that the Hornets are going to slow down their pace. Um, they're going to become better defensively as a default, not just because LaMelo is out of the lineup but because they're going to have to play a much different style of basketball now. They're going to have to slow it down. They're really going to have to lean into the pressure they can apply at the rim with Mark Williams, you know, and, and if Nick Richards can get back sooner rather than later. Um, and the other guy I would bring up here is is Gordon Hayward. He's going to have to take on, in the half court, some pretty serious ball handling duties, I would imagine. Uh, and he's going to have to, in certain moments, I mean, he, he doesn't have the stamina to be the conductor of the offense, with the ball in his hands uh, over a full game, but he's he's going to have to be that in stretches now for the Hornets. So we shall see, and, and the schedule is about to get hard, unfortunately. You know, the Hornets are really less than two weeks removed, or excuse me, less than two weeks away, you know, from going out west, uh, which is going to be a really west hard West Coast trip. Go look at the schedule. It is not going to be good. <laughs> so how does Steve Clifford try to keep this team within – two to three to four games within 500, you know, at the most. I mean, they've, they've got to be able to tread water. 
right now if they want to stay in the play-in hunt. So Lamelo avoids what we think is serious injury. The good news, bad news, obviously Lamelo is out. Uh, last thing I will say, uh, my the source's best guess is this is a three to four week deal. Again, we need more info, but a month without Lamelo Ball um, could put the Hornets firmly um, into a, a lottery situation and have having to look at themselves in the mirror with a new ownership group and say, uh, "Is this time to pull the plug? Do we do we go ahead and tank and try to get another high pick uh, to place with Lamelo Ball as your as your centerpiece?" Uh, who just got a new max contract and let's let's build the coffers around him. I know it seems like we've had this conversation for a long time as Hornets fans, but um, it continues to be the reality, unfortunately. So we will keep you updated uh, on any up- updates that we get about LaMelo and his injury and what's next. Enjoy the rest of the pod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we'll go ahead and get right into it. Uh, this is uh, probably not quite an emergency episode of BuzzBeat since we're, we're going to be doing this the day after uh, the topic of discussion. But I'm Brian. I'll be joined by Lee. We're live uh, talking Hornets basketball and LaMelo ball injury. And uh, this will also be up in podcast format on all the various podcast feeds uh, tomorrow, which will be Tuesday November 28th. We're coming live uh, Monday 27th. Uh, Lee, real quickly, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm good, BG. Um, good to uh, good to be back on the airwaves, even if it's uh, to discuss, you know, some, some disappointing news um, and, you know, to have a conversation around LaMelo and probably more, uh, you know, around that and what its effects are going to be on what's already been a bit of a disappointing season. Um <laughs> For the Charlotte Hornets. Um, so, yeah, man, let's get into it. We're 15 in, too. That's kind of Yeah, wild. yeah, it is. It's hard to believe. It's gone by. First, you know, five, six weeks have gone by very quickly of the season. 
Um, but LaMelo Ball, who started all 15 games so far this year, averaging just under 25 points per game, um, 8.2 assists per game, 5.5 rebounds per game, shooting 86% from the line on a career-best 4.2 attempts per game, shooting just under uh, 39% from deep um, and 44% overall from the field. But uh, on the road, game one of a three-game road trip for the Hornets, uh, Lamella Ball late in the second quarter, uh, drives to the basket while being guarded by Paolo Bancaro. He goes up to shoot, uh, I guess, kind of like a contested layup. He comes down funny. Uh, Lamelo did not, unless just based off of what I saw on replays, did not look like he landed on someone else's foot. Like I was sort of expecting him for this to have happened to have landed on someone's shoe or someone's foot or something like that. And it, it looked like his foot, you know, it hit the court flush, like without any sort of like other, you know, interruption from like an outside uh, person. But obviously you could see the the foot sort of almost the foot, the ankle sort of like a buckle a little bit. And he was he went down and uh, certainly was not able to get up. Uh, game had to be stopped after two more exchanges up and down the court. LaMelo uh, is brought off the court. Uh, the Hornets PR department not too long after that tweets out. And there, the words they used was he suffered a left ankle strain, not sprain, which um, – is potentially interesting wording on their part. LaMelo currently as doubtful for Tuesday's game against the New York Knicks, who the Hornets are playing for the ninth time already this season. Yeah, it's it's a pretty considerable bummer. LaMelo was playing excellent, excellent basketball. This team's, you know, best player this season as expected. And um, Lee, before the year started, you and I talked about the, the possibility of LaMelo making an all-star game. It was on one of our, our preseason pods. Right. Uh, and I think we, I know I did. I think we both sort of like went on on him making the all-star roster that didn't look like it was off to a great start the first two or three games, but he's been on a tear the last few weeks and, and playing, I, I would say like the best basketball of his, his young career, at least on the, on the offensive side of the court, we can get into some more of the numbers here. But just your initial thoughts, um, assuming LaMelo is going to miss some time, or if he does come back, you know, potentially be compromised, not playing at 100%, the risk of re-injuring, and just like where that leaves Charlotte now at a back, with a backcourt that is thoroughly, thoroughly depleted with injuries. Like they get Terry Rozier back um, in, you know, in the same game, LaMelo ball goes down. Yeah, I mean, th- that's, I think, the big, the big crux of this. It's, you know, obviously losing LaMelo is uh, massively impactful to this team, particularly offensively. You know, the Hornets through 15 games are basically a league average offense right now, um, which, you know, is is fine. I think you would have hoped that they would have regained a bit more of that, like, top 12 offensive form they had when they went uh, under James Borrego, when they had, uh, you know, this very similar core uh, adding, you know, and adding Mark Williams, that hasn't been the case yet. And obviously, you know, everybody who probably listens to this podcast knows the, the defensive numbers are in the cellar. Um, Even, even a Steve Clifford coach Charlotte Hornets team cannot uh, seem to defend uh, at all right now. So, but to your point, Brian, like, Obviously, it's impactful for for so many obvious reasons. The other reason why this is such a massive deal for this Hornets roster, this this iteration of this Hornets roster specifically, is because of the just absolute, you know, like 
desert of playmaking outside of LaMelo Ball. Um, you know, we, we kind of uh, chronicled this roster building decision from the Hornets going back three years ago when you, you know, when you don't sign, you don't re-sign Malik Monk and you trade Devontae Graham then like that that's what this leaves i mean we've we've essentially tried to kind of like you know spitball put together some sort of you know like illusion of of backup point guard duties the only the only thing this front office has done that worked they probably did almost by accident which was Dennis Smith Jr who did you know at times last year really alleviate that backup uh, point guard position. Other than that, you know, it's been a hodgepodge of, you know, your, your Brad Wanamakers and your Ish Smiths and your Teo Maladones. And it just, it just hasn't worked. Um, so when LaMelo ball is not inserted in this lineup, you all of a sudden are in a position again, where you're depending on Terry Rozier for much more playmaking than you should be. You know, of course, you know, Gordon Hayward is always a great playmaker and connector, but even he cannot carry the load that LaMelo ball does. So it's, you know, I think that is a point that, uh, you know, our audience is not unfamiliar with. It's just the fact that when, the, when, when LaMelo's absence is felt, it's felt very hard on this roster because they've done nothing to address the kind of secondary and tertiary playmaking off the bench. I mean, look, they picked up Neil Aquina in what September, and yeah. Ned Sumner probably later in the fall, and then Sumner was released even before the start of the uh, the regular season. If I have my my timeline correctly, but like that is that is absolute you know dumpster diving for. for <laughs> I mean, I think even if you had Neil Aquina, I mean, he might give you some boost defensively. They certainly wanted to play him in the DSJ role, but like exactly. I, I don't I don't think that would have really helped in terms of like. Charlotte's like ball handling playmaking. It would have been a nice opportunity for Frank. So it does kind of, you know, it's unfortunate yeah. that he's been hurt and has missed some, some good reps this year. And it should be noted too. Uh, I think, you know, Spencer probably mentioned this at a, uh, or we'll have a segment with Spencer at some point here to talk about the ankle, but you know, look, this is the same ankle that LaMelo had season ending surgery on last or not last this March, you know, nine, 10 months ago. Um, he missed four, uh, 46 games last season. Um, he missed the first 13 of the year with a left ankle injury, then bookended the season with the right ankle uh, that needed that required surgery. He's obviously missed time going back to his rookie year. That was for a wrist injury, but unfortunately, this this happened in a pretty you know scary compromised area. You certainly with these like high performance explosive athletes, you worry about the ankle, you worry about the foot. I think those are two things to really keep an eye on here, though it does seem like hopefully maybe Charlotte has um has avoided like the absolute worst case scenario. But we'll certainly see how things play out. Um and look, as wonky as like LaMelo's play can be sometimes and sometimes the shot selection is not um, amazing. Sometimes the decision-making is like either he's like, you know, it's a little frenetic or he's like, you know, one play ahead and in, in, in of everyone else or whatever um, for whatever it's worth, never really been like a high turnover player. So I think some of right. the head scratching plays sometimes are just like, you know, sort of like out of rhythm threes at weird points of the shot clock from too far away. But LaMelo this season, 
Um, I mean, having his best year as a pick and roll ball handler through 15 games, albeit, but um, just under 0.98 points per possession when he uses a pick and roll ball handling possession with an effective shooting rate of uh, 55.4% um, and a turnover rate under 16%. When LaMelo uses a pick and roll possession, this includes passes to other players. Uh, the Hornets are scoring 1.056 points per possession. That ranks in the 71st percentile in the league with an effective shooting rate of um, 57%. Again, he's using a lot of those possessions, but we've seen uh, the, the pick and roll playmaking with uh, Mark Williams, with uh, Nick Richards when he's been healthy. We've seen it in some of the uh, his ability to get downhill and spray out to PJ, to Gordon Hayward, to Brandon Miller. Um, I was looking at this earlier on PVP stats, but the top four assist to score combinations on the Hornets this year are LaMelo Ball to player X, player Y, player Z, player A. It's LaMelo Ball to PJ Washington, LaMelo Ball to Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball to Mark Williams, LaMelo Ball to Brandon Miller. Those are the top four uh, assist to score combinations um, on the roster. We've talked plenty on this pod about you know, wanting to see LaMelo get downhill more, be more patient in the pick and roll, and also put more pressure on the rim. Um, I think the sort of like the like live ball middle, you know, sort of uh, when LaMelo's going downhill, he's got a defender on his hip. He's attacking a center and drop. I think that still leaves a little something to be desired, but I think he's been better um, in that arena so far this year. And he's just playing hard and like getting downhill and putting pressure on the rim, which is I think one of the reasons why this ankle injury like does suck because like he was doing that. It's literally like what he was in the process of doing, you know, attacking Ben Caro um, on a, on a switch like that. But a higher percentage of his shots are coming at the rim. A career high percentage of his shots are coming at the rim. And early on, of the rim, the shots that he's made within four feet of the rim, ninety two percent of those makes have been unassisted. So like we've seen the live ball. You know, uh, you know, shot creation, rim pressure from LaMelo improved this year. And he was shooting prior to the Orlando game. I haven't checked these numbers since before last night, but he was shooting, I think, above 43% on pick and roll, like th- off dribble threes this season, like isolating not just for pull-up threes, but for specifically out of the pick and roll, which was um, was one of the best numbers in the league amongst like high volume guys, like right up there with Tyrese Halliburton, who who was sort of like in a league of his own in, in, in that category right now. The Hornets are three points per 100 possessions better on offense with LaMelo on the court. They play faster with LaMelo on the court. Um, you know, he, he's been a, he's been a huge force for them offensively, and there's just no real way to replace him. Um, I think even by trying to spread it out and do it like piecemeal style, because like they're just so decimated in the backcourt. And even though they have guys on the wing who can do it, you're not asking them to pick up 20 extra ball handling possessions and spread it out amongst four guys. This is like 80 ball handling possessions per game, you know, and then spread it out amongst you know three to four guys. So I don't know, Lee, do you have anything else to add on LaMelo's impact? Or we can maybe even sort of like t- turn the page and sort of think about, what this may mean for Charlotte if he's going to miss an extended period of time. Well, yeah. So, so that's the interesting thing. I mean, uh, you know, based on, you know, Spencer's tweet earlier, it's possible that that they may have avoided the worst and, and we'll kind of have to see over the next couple of days, how this develops and what the timetable actually looks like. What I will say to kind of add on to some of, 
you know, your comments uh, about why this is, you know, a, a problem. Um, you know, I also think as we've talked about Brandon Miller and like his <laughs> development and his strengths, not having LaMelo ball on the floor to set the table for him, for him to be able to take advantage of the fact that he is a fairly intelligent kind of cutter and mover into space as a young player. Um, obviously the shooting isn't quite where you'd like it to be, but he is going to become a proficient catch and shoot player, you know, in my opinion, and continues to take those shots off of LaMelo. So unfortunately Brandon Miller's, you know, weakness right now is kind of his, you know, his creation, his ball handling, things of that nature. And unfortunately, those are the things that he might be kind of forced into doing a bit more with LaMelo out of the lineup. Now, I guess you could look at that on the other end of things. And let's say, like, for example, if this is a worst case scenario, we don't know this now, but okay, LaMelo's out for, you know, months, right? I guess you could look at it on the other side and say, well, this team isn't going anywhere anyways. Let's have another high pick and let's just like really let Brandon Miller explore his space and figure, you know, but I, I guess the argument I'm making on a, on a shorter time frame is like not having the table setter on the floor is detrimental to Brandon Miller currently because of his current skill set. Totally agree. We've talked about this, Dave, one of my, it might actually be like my favorite part of the season so far outside of maybe just like LaMelo's, you know, offensive fireworks has been the team has found a nice role for um, they found they had the nice plan for Miller coming into the season. And I've really appreciated the execution for it. They've put him into movement sets. They give, they've given them some pick and roll opportunities, but when those happen, it's obviously it's often like a drag ball screen in transition, or it's him coming off of a screen into a dribble handoff, or him doing. There's some screen to screener action where Miller sets is setting a, a rip screen or a back screen, and, and then he's flowing into a handoff from there, and he can look to shoot, or he can look to get downhill. Um, I think his catch and go playmaking has been really nice this year. You know, you see him jab with the right foot, swim through back to his left, and he can get downhill that way. Um, but right now, Lee, like you touched on it, his biggest issue as far as like, you know, where his offense is at is like his inability to create offense without a screen. And even, even then, he's still like, you know, he can be a little compromised. And it's not like he can't score in isolation, but it is it is certainly like the the biggest like fly in the ointment for him um, at the moment when he tries to do it. It can produce some like pretty awkward runners and floaters where he's trying to like extend and finish over guys from tough distances and tough angles. Like again, Miller's rookie season so far has been phenomenal. I think he's been like a top four or five rookie in the league. Yeah. Um, I would say Chet, uh, Wembenyama, obviously Hawkes at Miami has been very, yeah. very good. I'm leaving off. There's another. Cason Wallace has been really good. Cason Wallace has been very good. There's a third guy I'm leaving off the list right now. It's embarrassing. Um, but I, I still think even with all of those guys, I think Miller, is, is certainly like deserving of of a top you know right now I think if you held it he would probably finish you know back end of first team all all rookie that's maybe silly to do before the calendar flips but on one hand it, this means he's going to get the ball more uh, which like those reps I guess could be seen as as valuable for Miller and his development going forward it just it could produce some some sort of like clunky offense for him too yeah. and. 
So at one end, again, it's sort of exciting that maybe he'll get more time on the ball and perhaps that's good for his, you know, his development. At the same time, it will probably, again, if Mello is going to miss an extended period, it takes, you know, it can also take Miller out of the bubble that he was working from and sort of like maybe uh, speeds up the timeline Charlotte had for like moving more playmaking, you know, responsibility and load in the direction of, of 24. Um, you know, we're certainly going to see more Terry Rozier on the basketball. That's something we've seen in years past when LaMelo has been hurt. Uh, the results for that aren't great, especially <laughs> when Ish Smith is one of the other guards on the, on the court. It was sort of tough watching some of those possessions in the second half as the last night against Orlando, as, as the Hornets are trying to mount a comeback and, it's Rozier, PJ pick and rolls with Ish Smith in the corner and Anthony Black having two feet inside the paint. Anthony Black's had a, a really nice rookie yeah. season for, for the Magic, too. He, he deserves some some love. Uh, he had kind of a quiet game last night, but still a couple pretty pretty fun possessions. He had a really nice touch pass um, in transition. I, I like I like Anthony Black uh, for Orlando. They've got just a lot of awesome uh, young players there. But I imagine we'll see more of the playmaking load also go to Hayward go yep. to Bridges, and I think you saw some hints last night of what that could look like, which is Charlotte having to invert things mm-hmm. and play out of the post with, like, Hayward, Bridges, and P.J. initiating from there. Um, maybe you could move those guys to the elbow, get some corner action going that way. But that, that's tough sledding. You know, that's not, like, that's not just come up, run pistol action, flow into pick and roll, and, and get cooking from there. Like, it's it's a little bit different. They're going to have to be a little bit more methodical. They're going to have to think about matchups a little bit more. There's like stuff they can do. And if you are initiating through the post, Rozier still, Rozier and Miller can still be like threats as guys coming off screens and, and handoffs. Like they do a lot of like Clifford runs some good action to get those guys loose for, for threes and for jumpers in those scenarios. But that's, that's just harder basketball to play. And obviously without Mello, this team, they're, they're not as fast. And they're gonna they're not gonna be as dynamic in transition. And that, that's another area where Miller was really getting some good stuff. You touched on the the corner cuts. That's been a big that's been a, a real big boon for Miller so far this year. And a lot of that has come with LaMelo pick and roll. And just you know, Jason Tatum caught ball watching or some other, you know, wing defender caught ball watching and and Miller's able to, to slice back door and, and get a bucket. And LaMelo's, you know, vision and live ball passing is can be pretty special. Um in even in the half court where he's maybe not quite as good as the, as the open floor beyond that, like this is stating what I think was already obvious even before the LaMelo injury. But like, if he's going to miss an extended period of time, um, I mean, it's tough because like the 2024 draft, I think there's a lot of really good players in it. There's probably no one worth like tanking for, you know? Right. Um, as much as I like, uh, Alex Sar, Isaiah Collier, uh, Ron Holland. Um, these guys are not Victor Wembanyama. They're not Scoot Henderson. They're not uh, Cooper Flag. Two years from two 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 draft cycles from now. Um, so it, I do think the imperatives from a team build perspective would become: What can you get for guys like Rozier and Hayward? Like if this thing's really going to go sideways here and. and I guess that raises the question, like, what does the offense look like in the interim um, (laughs) other than really, really bad and well below league average? 
you know, I, I don't know what to say, but if this is going to be a lost season, you got to see what you can get for some of the the veterans. Um, and again, I think it was sort of already trending in that direction. And you and you and and BG, you can't go the opposite way. You can't like go get Malcolm Brogdon. Like yeah, just, yeah. Like please, like yeah. don't do that. Don't <laughs> don't do that unless unless the price is like shockingly low. Yeah, right. Um, in which case, then uh, whatever. Um, but no, that's not like that's not the pathway to go. I don't even think that was the pathway to go before the season started. Um, and the Hornets were sort of like looking around for guard depth. And I remember Richie and I did a pod on the possibility of them going after uh, DeLon Wright. Mm-hmm. But it was like they were going to need to trade for him. And, and Richie and I sort of came to the conclusion, like, no, don't do this. It's not worth giving up anything for a backup guard. So, I don't know. They're they're in a, they're in obviously in, in a bad place. I can't remember what the timeline is for Neil Aquina to return. Obviously, Frank back in the lineup would help. Maybe we see some more Nick Smith Jr., but obviously his time with the varsity squad this year has been limited and not all that good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Smith going forward as a prospect. It's just it, no surprise his rookie year is probably going to be uh, a little tough uh, from a like a winning basketball perspective. But man, this is look, this is just what happens when you over years something like this, like the injury to LaMelo really sucks. And like, I feel bad for him because again, I think he'd been a top 10 to 12 player in the Eastern conference so far this year. and was like safely in the all-star consideration. But if you're focusing on the team and not just in whether that's fair, or the right thing to do right now, if you're just focusing on the team, having a roster this depleted comes because you have not like found value in other team building like aspects outside of like doing pretty well in the draft. You know, yeah. you, you, you find Dennis Smith Jr., but then you, you don't retain him. And even, and even the draft has been spotty, you know, yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, certainly some hits, but it's also some big misses. They, they could look, they could have had two, they could have had two basic lot. Basically they could have had two lottery picks in 2022. They opted to yes. move one of those that, that eventually became a bunch of different picks, including the, the Denver's pick, which turned into Nick Smith Jr. So like we can see the through line of that very easily, but you know, you could have another, you could have Jalen Dern on this roster, AJ Griffin. There's like Tari Eason. There's like a lot of like guys that are like NBA rotation players, like fringe NBA rotation players on good teams that you could have on this roster that would plug holes. And like, there just isn't any of that. And again, this speaks to why I think this team is so desperate for a rebuild because, um, look, not no team can like sustain like a, um, an injury to their star guard. Like you can see Memphis is like falling apart without right now. Um, (laughs) In years past, they've been able to sort of like stabilize without him, but they don't have, they no longer have Tyus Jones. And so, yeah, you, but, but for Charlotte to now become like, I mean, without LaMelo, I imagine this team projects as like the worst offense in the league or like the 25th offense in the league. Like I'm not entirely sure, but you add that with what is, the worst defense, like maybe they play a little bit better on defense without Lamelo, but obviously, like this is not going to. This is going to be like a, a pretty large, like net negative. So, um, I feel bad for Lamelo. Uh, hopefully, he can get healthy. That's what matters most is him not rushing back uh, from this injury to take his time. And you know, long term, you just hope he's okay and that his ankles are okay and he's able to play. You know, seventy plus games for the next ten or twelve seasons. But focusing on this right now. It's a pretty it's a pretty bleak picture for the Hornets, even if you can 
you know, sort of like shake the snow globe up a little bit and look at it from a different angle and see the occasional positive, the added playmaking for Brandon Miller, maybe Nick Smith Jr. gets minutes or whatever, right. but everything else is, is pretty, is pretty bleak. So hopefully um, injury is not too serious for LaMelo. Hopefully he can make a full and speedy recovery, but the emphasis for that is on full. Yeah, man, I think, uh, I think we covered it. I mean, we'll be we'll be back for some 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 post game recaps to see what this offense does look like, you know, later in the week. Um, but you know, we wanted to wanted to give some analysis and thoughts, right, on on what this means for the Hornets and and certainly our opinions. And uh, you know, this is a fluid situation, but you know, this is kind of how we see it in the moment, BG. Yep, yep. Well, uh, before we move out of here, just a quick reminder. Uh, Richie did a, a short set, a sit-down interview with uh, Bryce McGowan's after practice the other day. That should be coming up next. Uh, if you haven't uh, had the chance to listen to that already, make sure you stick around and dig in on that. I think Bryce has actually played some good ball for them uh, in recent games, as Richie has highlighted on Twitter as well. And looking forward to, I guess, seeing more Bryce McGowan's. He's another guy they're going to need to for to step up and. Um, maybe even play with the ball a little bit more at times. So make sure you stick around and listen for that. But yeah, this was a this was a uh, bit of more of a somber uh, issue of the pod. But Lee, thank you for uh, joining with me. I look forward to talking to y'all uh, again soon. All right, I'm here with Bryce McGowan's after practice. Bryce, uh, over the summer, Gordon had revealed that you and him had worked out over the summer. And um, first off, what were those workouts like? And was there a focal point that you were trying to improve upon? Uh, the workouts, you know, they're very intense, uh, intense, uh, very detailed. Um, you know, we got after it. Um, you know, started off with, you know, some shots, uh, some quick uh, twitch ball handling. Uh, you know, we really got into competing uh, half court. Uh, some full court things and uh, just being able to, you know, pick up pick up things off board and uh, it was huge for me. Um, you know, heading into this season and you know he's, he's just great. Hey, speaking of that, is 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 there something about his game that you would like to add to yours? Obviously, he's been around the league for a while and um, any advice that he gave you? Uh, really, just his IQ. Uh, you know, just being around him all the time, you know, playing against him, playing uh, alongside him. Uh, his IQ is through the roof. Um, you know, just you know, he knows where to get his shots, uh, knows how to get to the free throw line, and uh, knows how to use his body. So, uh, big thing for me was just how to use my hands offensively and defensively, uh, offensively just to, you know, get shots, get get open, you know, uh, movement patterns, and defensively just, you know, being able to try to knock a couple guys off their spots defensively. And last year, you were a guy that was very aggressive in going to the rim. You drew a lot of fouls. Uh, this year, it seems like you're still doing that, but you're also shooting more from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Is that something that, that's a focal point for you? Is Coach Clifford stressing that, or is it just happenstance that it's that, that's, that's worked out that way? Uh, yeah, I would kind of say, you know, it just happens. You know, me and Coach Bruce, you know, we put a lot of work in over the summer, uh, working on my jump shot. Um, so, uh, you know, just just that work over the summer, you know, build, just building confidence uh, in my jump shot and knowing what I'm going to get my touches, you know, that it was just running the floor, um, uh, being ready in the corner, um, and, you know, just moving without the ball. All right, two more questions. Um, in terms of your defense this year, it feels like you're more involved, your rotations are good, you're active on the closeouts. Obviously, with Clifford being a defensive-minded coach, what is that, like, one thing that you want to do on that end of the court to make sure you, you know, you keep that consistent role and, and, and stay out on the court because of your defense? Yeah, really just make those effort plays, uh, try to get 50-50 balls, um, you know, crashing the glass, um, and, you know, keeping your man in front of you uh, and not just one-on-one defense, also a team defense, you know, try to make the team better defensively. Uh, 
uh, any way I can. So, uh, you know, Coach Clifford just being the defensive coach he is, um, you know, just him stressing that and me, you know, um, you know, listening and trying to learn from him. All right, last question. Uh, what are like one or two things that uh, Clifford is stressing in these next handful of games to kind of keep that momentum that you guys have right now? Uh, you know, just playing the right way, uh, playing hard, uh, playing smart, and, um, you know, limit transition buckets and limit little easy little buckets around the rim and second chance points and stuff like that. All right, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.